Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. School teacher Donna Kohler thought she was the luckiest lady alive, with two wonderful kids and a doting husband who seemed to do it all. He would help with the kids. He offered to take over with the cooking. We were both very happy. But her true love was hiding a toxic secret. When I found out, I went weak in the knees. That would push Donna to the brink and leave her fighting for her life. I don't think anybody thought that he would go this far. When I woke up, I couldn't talk, I couldn't move, anything. I was really scared. When it comes to love and marriage, things aren't always as they seem. When it came to matters of the heart, Donna Kohler was a bit of a late bloomer. In high school, I was kind of a loner and didn't date, didn't have a lot of friends, didn't go out and do a lot of things. As an 18-year-old college freshman in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, Donna had never been in love, but she hoped that would change. I was hoping not only to get my degree, but to meet somebody and end up in a relationship. In the winter of 1970, Donna's wish was granted. One evening at a college party, she found something much more interesting than books to study. His name was Jim Bowley, a handsome student two years Donna's senior. I sat down next to him in the living room and we started talking. He was going for his teaching degree, as was I, and it was just real easy, real comfortable to talk to him. I think it was their love of being an educator that brought them together. They pretty much were inseparable from that point forward. He had a great sense of humor. He had beautiful, short, brown, wavy hair and real pretty hazel eyes and just nice-looking guy. Donna and Jim fell hard and fast, and by the following fall, there was no doubt the lovebirds were made for each other. In the summer of 1972, Donna and Jim married in a beautiful Catholic church. I had no doubts this was the man I wanted to be with, and... 
I was ready to spend the rest of my life with him. After the wedding, the newlyweds set about building their lives together in Sykeston, Missouri. Jim started teaching sixth grade history, and in 1975, Donna landed a teaching job of her own. One year later, the couple welcomed baby Steve into the world. And while Donna was overjoyed, she was also overwhelmed. Being a mother and having a full-time job would get to be a little much taking care of the baby, taking care of the laundry, and then trying to get supper started at the same time. But Jim, ever the perfect husband, had a solution. Jim offered to go ahead and do the, the cooking, and that was a big load off my mind because then I wouldn't have to worry about getting the food on the table. By the time the couple had their second son in October 1979, Donna and Jim were well into the swing of things on the home front. But at work, Jim felt stifled by his lack of upward mobility. So in the fall of 1987, when he found a job as a middle school guidance counselor in St. Louis, a move seemed like the perfect plan. I was really happy because my parents still lived up here, and it was nice to know that I was going to be close to them. Donna knew she couldn't have asked for a better partner than Jim. But over the next six years, their perfect life together would become tainted. And Donna would learn that the most important decision of her life would also be the most lethal. On the morning of September 25th, 1993, Donna woke knowing something was seriously wrong. I could just hardly move. I was extremely weak. And I was turning jaundiced and just felt horrible. I just really felt like I was dying. Jim rushed Donna to the hospital. Jim brought a wheelchair out, and I got into the wheelchair, and the last thing I remember was going through the hospital doors. Everyone knew that Donna's situation was grave, but no one realized that things were about to get even worse. Something was not right. I was scared. At that point, my whole life fell apart. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one best-selling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for your year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like are you an overbuyer or an underbuyer, a morning person or a night person, abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. In the fall of 1987, six years before Donna Kohler was fighting for her life, she and her husband, Jim Bowley, and their two sons moved to St. Louis to further Jim's education career. But Jim's job as a school counselor brought new responsibilities. Jim's new teaching job kept him away from home a lot because he did some coaching with baseball and football. Her husband was a busy man, but that didn't bother Donna one bit. It was bringing in money, and we had a lot of bills to pay. It really didn't hurt our marriage. We were both very happy, and things just seemed to flow real nicely. In fact, as Jim turned 40, Donna noticed that he seemed friskier than ever. He started to let his hair grow longer. He went out and bought colored underwear and bought a sports car convertible. I didn't know if it was the midlife crisis or what it was, but I was enjoying it. But there was something Donna wasn't enjoying. In the summer of 1991, her health started going downhill. I thought I was coming down with a sinus infection. My stomach just didn't feel good. Then it progressed to where I was having stomach cramps and throwing up, and I just didn't know what was going on. I first went to my regular doctor, and he gave me antibiotics. When antibiotics didn't help, doctors concluded irritable bowel syndrome might be causing Donna's debilitating stomach pain. When my doctor gave me a diagnosis, I felt relieved. And I thought, okay, we've got a name to what I have. We've got pills to help me. I can work with this. And Jim was the perfect nurse when the pain was at its worst. Jim would be very attentive. He would always want to try to fix me something to eat that I could keep down and was always taking care of me. He would prepare all her food for her and all her meals. And whenever she would be in a lot of pain, 
He would say, oh, sweetie, I'm sorry that you feel so bad. Let me go make you something to eat. As the school year wound down, it seemed Donna's symptoms did too. Until the summer of 1992, when Donna became ill once again while gearing up for a new school year. My symptoms had come back even stronger. So I went to my gynecologist to see if maybe there was something else going on that I didn't know about. And sure enough, Donna's gynecologist found a large cyst on one of her ovaries. He recommended surgery to remove it, and Donna scheduled the procedure. But she found herself in the hospital sooner than planned. Right before I was supposed to have the surgery, I got seriously ill. My fever spiked to 105. I got delirious. Jim took me to the hospital, and they ended up packing my body in ice to try to bring my fever down. I lost consciousness. When I woke up, I lost two days. The doctors weren't quite sure what had happened to me. It seemed surgery was still Donna's best option, but the procedure did not go well. While doctors were able to remove the cyst, Donna suffered an unexpected reaction to the anesthesia and ended up on life support. I was terrified. I was afraid she was going to die. For 10 days, Donna's life hung in the balance, while doctors conducted test after test, including a heavy metal screening for poison. But the results were negative. The doctors didn't know what was causing it. But miraculously, Donna's health improved quickly in her doctor's care, and she was released from the hospital on October 23rd. But just as those problems were subsiding, new ones were brewing at home. I'd been home from the hospital for about three or four days, and I was home alone. Jim was at school, kids were at school, and I got a call from a woman, and she would not give her name. Instead, the woman gave Donna some devastating news about Jim. I was hysterical, and I just knew that there was no way that that could be him. The more I learned, the more I realized I didn't really know. My father. In the fall of 1992, a few days after her discharge from the hospital, Donna Kohler was hoping her troubles were over until she received a disturbing phone call from a strange woman. She told me that my husband was running around with a woman, and I told her that she didn't know what she was talking about. But the woman insisted she was telling the truth. She told Donna to check a telephone dating service where Jim had created an ad. When I listened to the message, it was Jim saying that he was an ivory man looking for an ebony woman. And I just lost it. I slammed the phone down, started crying, called my mom. I, I was hysterical. I didn't know what to do. When Jim got home from work, Donna immediately cornered him. I looked at him and I said, we have to talk. And I told him about hearing that message. And the first thing out of his mouth was, oh, is that thing still on? Jim quickly admitted that he had created the ad, but he had done it as a favor for a co-worker. He said, you know the other counselor at school, how he's got the, the speech impediment. He said he wanted to put a message on the dating service, but he didn't want to use his voice. 
So I offered to put the message on for him. The explanation made sense. Donna had met the co-worker with the speech impediment, so it was plausible he'd asked Jim for help with the ladies. Jim told me he was sorry that I had to hear that and that he would take that off immediately. He said, I'm really sorry, and I would never do anything to hurt you. Donna decided to let the matter go. She had other things on her mind. Her health had begun to go downhill again. It didn't take too long for me to start having the same symptoms that I had been having, and I was scared. Nobody knew what was wrong with her. I was confused to watch my mother going through what she was going through. It was a very painful experience. At their wit's end, Donna's doctors suspected lupus might be the culprit and prescribed new medication. Although she was in agony, Donna felt lucky to have true love on her side. Jim was still very attentive. He would still come home and try to fix me something that I could eat and was always loving and caring for me. Still, despite Jim's TLC, Donna continued getting sicker with each passing day. I was not able to keep anything down. So he gave me a glass of milk, and when I got done drinking it, it had like pink residue in the bottom of the glass. And he said, well, that's that discount milk. You know it gets like that sometimes. I never remembered my milk being pink, but I was so out of it. On September 25, 1993, Donna woke feeling worse than ever. I just felt that I was dying. I was extremely weak. I couldn't keep any food down. And I was turning jaundiced and just felt horrible. Donna begged Jim to take her to the hospital, but Jim suggested Donna wait for her lupus meds to kick in. So I called my mom, and I told her that Jim didn't want to take me to the hospital. And she said, if he isn't going to take you, I will. The threat worked. Jim finally rushed his sick wife to the hospital. Once there, Donna fell into a fit of seizures. Her heart stopped between five and seven times. Doctors were able to bring her back, but the prognosis was grave. Donna couldn't speak, and she was now paralyzed from the nose down. She had all these tubes hooked up to her. She was on a ventilator. She couldn't move. She was unconscious. I had a hard time being in the room seeing her like that. When I woke up and I realized that I was paralyzed, I didn't know if I was ever going to have my life back. I would lay there in the bed and try to move my arm. And my brain was telling me that my arm was moving, but it wasn't moving. Doctors were baffled, but everything was about to change. It all started with one of Donna's nurses. I was charge nurse that evening, and by the end of the night, Donna was critical. And I usually didn't go down to the MRI with them, but she was so critical at this time that I decided to go down with her. While Donna waited on a gurney in the hallway, Juanita went back to Donna's hospital room for her chart. Jim was in the room. He was talking on the phone. And what Juanita overheard him say was jaw-dropping. I was shocked. I remember standing there, did I really hear that? I figured there were two options available. One, attempted suicide, or two, attempted murder. 
In the fall of 1993, Donna Kohler was at death's door. The situation was dire, and doctors had no idea what was wrong with her. Until one day that September, when an attentive nurse overheard a shocking phone call. Jim was talking on the phone. He was talking in sexually explicit conversation with somebody on the other line. It was just disgusting, especially when your wife is dying. And then I overheard him say arsenic. I was shocked. I remember standing there, did I really hear that? Arsenic is a poison commonly found in pesticides. In humans, it can cause a breakdown of normal bodily functions. It was like the perfect storm and everything came together. I talked to the supervisor and I was told, you need to be sure about what you heard. You know, you can be sued, get your license taken away. But Juanita was certain of what she had heard. She informed Donna's doctors immediately. I couldn't live with myself if she died. Doctors quickly issued another heavy metal screening, this time from Donna's hair. And the results were staggering. It was like seven to ten times the lethal amount of arsenic that was eventually found in her system. Doctors moved Donna to a secure section of the hospital and immediately called the police. The hospital told me that Donna was paralyzed from the neck down and not able to speak. So I figured there were two options available, one attempted suicide or two attempted murder. Police were able to question Donna using a letter board where she blinked one letter at a time. She started crying and was very upset, and that's when she told me that she thought Jim was involved that he had given her milk with a pink residue in it. Investigators immediately brought Jim in for questioning, but he denied everything. He said she was having hallucinations. He would always redirect blame. He would always try to change the subject. Convinced Jim wasn't telling the truth, detectives hammered him. But when Jim finally broke, he told police another whopper. Jim finally admitted his guilt, but even during his admission, he tried to make it nice. He said he poisoned her with the arsenic just to make her sick. His intent, according to him, was to make Donna sick so she'd stay home from work, and then he could stay home and they could have some quality time together. I thought it was a bunch of bull. In fact, as detectives dug deeper, they discovered that the respected school counselor and sports coach was leading a double life. He had safe deposit box in his name, a cell phone in his name. He stayed at hotels under assumed names, used two different dating sites to date different women. When she was sick, he'd be with someone else, checking into a motel. It was obvious that he wasn't concerned about Donna. He had $600,000 in life insurance on her. My whole life fell apart. I realized that all of this illness had been caused by my husband, and he was the one that was always taking care of me. He was the one that I trusted. It just really upset me that our whole marriage was, was a lie. On October 10th, 1993, police arrested Jim Bowley and charged him with first-degree assault and armed criminal action. In January 1995, Jim Bowley went to trial, and Donna testified against him. I made sure that I looked at him. I wanted him to see that I had made it. And 
I wanted him to see that I was going to put him away. On February 1st, a jury found Jim Bowley guilty as charged. He received two consecutive life sentences. Jim showed no remorse. And after the trial, Donna's divorce from her husband was final. I often wonder what part of our marriage was really true. Was there any love? Or did this start at the very beginning? He was just going to stay married, have a couple kids, and then try to get rid of me. Today, after a long road of rehab and therapy, Donna can walk, talk, and teach once again. I would tell my students that they were not allowed to use the word can't in my room because if I had stopped anywhere along the way and said, I can't do this, I wouldn't be where I am today. She'll never be able to have the fine motor control skills that she had before the poisoning. And I think that her living is the best revenge that she could possibly ever get on him. And even though it took years for Donna to rebuild her faith in men, she's since found happiness with a new husband. I've been married 11 years, and my marriage is strong. I still enjoy going out and doing karaoke. I can still dance. I've gotten to be a pretty good cook now that I'm doing it on my own. Nickelodeon was kid everything, but that marked one of the darkest chapters. Three predators worked at Nickelodeon. It made me wonder who was being hurt. Quiet on set, an ID true crime event, Sunday, March 17th at 9, on ID and stream on Max.